knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. Hello, my name is Elliot, and you are listening to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Today, I have a guest on, Titus Headings. He is... I originally um, learned about him from his YouTube channel, which is Mid Valley Mercenaries, and he also has a podcast called The MVM Show. Titus has been a friend of mine for three, four, five years, and I actually just was over on his podcast. Uh, we recorded two episodes. If you listen to all of my episodes, you've heard Titus on here before. Um, Titus and I have become friends over the last few years because of the Flyways Collective, which is a group of YouTube content creators, and we formed a little group. We've gone on several big hunt trips together, and so Titus and I got to know each other um, during those times and then on each other's podcasts, and, and so whenever we talk, we just have so much fun talking about duck hunting. We said, you know what, let's just do a marathon where we record for four to six hours and we do a bunch of episodes for the MVM show and a bunch of episodes for the North American waterfowler. So this is actually our, well, it's our third podcast recording and our probably our third or fourth hour of talking. So if make sure <laughs> that you bump over and check the MVM show for all of his content and, and my episodes over there as well. So I've got a lot of questions that we're going to be talking about that I, that I pose to listeners over on Instagram. So let's see what's going on with Titus. Titus, what's up, buddy? How's it going? Long time no talk to. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was saying on your podcast, we can talk for hours. Oh, easily. Easily. Tired. Yeah. So give everyone, I kind of did a little bit, but just give everyone a little history of kind of your social media presence. Yeah, I lose track of how long it's been on YouTube because that was kind of the main thing that it started. Um, I had a couple of videos that I put on there of flying helicopters years ago. Like, I think if you look at my channel, like you log into it and you see anybody can go see like the history. I think it was like 12 years. I put a couple of helicopter videos on there. That was it. I didn't know about the subscription thing. I didn't know about giving likes. I didn't know none of that. And, um, I, uh, I know I seen your video some of your videos and I seen, um, I think it was the grind or it was somebody I've said this before on your podcast probably, but I seen a couple of people putting stuff on there and 
it may have been Jordan because I know we're about around the same time. And I was like, well, man, if these guys can do, why can't I put some of my hunts up on there? I didn't know about being paid. I didn't know about being sponsored. I didn't think none of that. I was just like a place to keep memories and all that stuff. So um, I put a couple goofy videos on there of hunting that wasn't, it was pretty pathetic. And some people go back every once in a while and comment on those there from years ago. Like, this is where you started. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, ah, it's a little embarrassing, but no, I put the main one that really took the channel off was when we shot that banded pintail. And uh, we were pretty dramatic, pretty excited about it. I had never shot a band. So when you shoot that the first time, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. So I'm not too embarrassed how excited I was. Right. But we were a little dramatic. And um, yeah, that video, I went from like, 70 subscribers to like a thousand in like not even five days i think or something like that wow. i just like really skyrocketed i think in a matter of a week 10 days or so i had like fifteen thousand views on that so again i still didn't know about um getting paid or none of that stuff so i like to say that it's no slam against anybody else but i do kind of like to say that i never did this because i was trying to make money off of it it kind of feels good to say that you know because right it shows the genuine interest in recording, filming, editing, and your love of doing it just for the passion of it. So that kind of feels good. Now, that being said, you know, it, it does help with that and traveling and hunting. So I'm very thankful for that. So that's where it started. And um, we said this in my podcast, Elliot, you gave a really good advice to somebody. And one of those questions we had was, if you're doing it, and you may not say it just like this, but if you're doing it for the money or you're doing it because you have just a faint idea of like, oh, that'd be fun. You probably might want to look elsewhere because it is a lot of work. And if you're half heartedly into it, you won't last just because we've all had our own challenges. Me, you and I both and some of our other friends. It's a lot of work, a lot of dedication. But I mean, you will say this so much is that having that recorded memory to look back for years to come is like worth its weight in gold and worth every bit of effort. So that's kind of where I'm at this point now is I kind of cut back a little bit on putting so many episodes out because I want to enjoy the hunt and put the camera down sometimes. But man, every episode that I record and put up, I'm so thankful for, especially like I just said recently, my daughter shot her first ducks last year and that's priceless to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, there is nothing wrong with starting a YouTube channel specifically mm -hmm. because you're like, Oh, I want to try to build this. And I want, I want, but the, I think one thing that I take pride in, and I think kind of what you're saying too, is we are waterfowlers first, YouTubers second yeah. or even third. Right. Yeah. Um, if, if you took away, if I can, if I came to your house and took every camera away and you couldn't buy any more, zero would change about your waterfowling season. Zero. You would hunt the exact same amount. You'd have the same passion. And and I'm the same way. It's like I am a waterfowler who happens to record a little bit. I am not yeah. a YouTuber that's fine trying to find niches, right? Nothing yeah. would change about what I'm doing if you take cameras away from me. Mm -hmm. And that's how you are. And and all the people we know are like that too. Um, but I, I take pride in that. It's like I am a duck hunter mm -hmm. who decided to start hitting record. Yeah, and something happened, and people started watching, and then it's like, oh wow, maybe let's see what we can do with this thing, right? Yeah, and 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 I will say, people have a mis 
understanding of how much money guys like us make. I mean, our yeah. channels, as far as channels are very successful. I mean, we're doing, we've done, I don't know how many millions of views I've done. Not, I have not reached 10 million, but shoot. I mean, if you think of in a year getting, I think what I did 1.8 million last year, that's a lot of people sitting around and watching right. what you're doing. Right. And it's, it's, it's flattering, but with that does not come an income. No. That's not an income to, to make an app to just from YouTube to make an income, you need to do a million a month, maybe a, so I, I would need like 12 times the number of views that I get. Yeah. And those are just during waterfowl season. February hits, those views go away. It's like August to the end of January. That's about what you got. And mm -hmm. and we're not making incomes from no. this. We're making enough to kind of, to, I guess not for free. We're covering right. all of our hunting and, and, you know, with all of our, I'm not going to go into all the details with how much money we, but people, I think, misunderstand the amount of money you can make off this. Right. It's, it's, it's not a get, <laughs> you're not going to get on there. And, and one more thing I'll say to, 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 to what you said, it's very easy to put out content. It's it's like being on a diet. The first two weeks are very easy, mm -hmm. but for you, how many episodes do you have on your podcast now? Uh, I think that first one this morning was 250. That takes a grind and dedication mm -hmm. you can hit 250 on a podcast which i know the duck on podcast is kind of in that same range mm -hmm. that that's once you get past that initial fun it's just like a new toy you start a podcast you start recording it's like a new toy it's fun yep. for a while seeing yourself hearing yourself getting some feedback dealing yep. with the negative feedback it's fun for a while but once that glitz and glamour wears off it's still satisfying but at that point now it's like dedication right you know? yeah the, the long haul is a different mind. You got to start it knowing that you're in it for the long haul for sure. Right. You've got to be, you've got to be dedicated to it. And Titus yeah. and I were talking on his podcast. It's like, well, if we weren't doing this, what, what would we be doing with our yeah. time? Yeah. Right. So we're going to be answering a bunch of questions and I want to, this one is tailor-made for you, Titus. And I'm hoping maybe that I can do a better job with this because I haven't, um, so to, to this point, but Steve Hammock, he's a friend of mine. Um, I don't know if, did you happen to see the river hunt? I did this last year, the ice river hunt. Um, uh, that little, yeah, that real narrow stream. It was no, pretty the big nasty. One. The, not the narrow one with Aiden, but it was a bigger I one. I mean, I watched pretty much all your hunts. So it was an I awesome guess... hunt. It was awesome. Awesome hunt. We didn't shoot our limit, but it was just anytime you get ice hole hunts on the river, it's just spectacular. So Steve Hammock was with me on this. That's okay. It. So his question is, what can you, what are you doing to help introduce hunting to the younger generation or help a soldier that is new to an area and hunting to get out? It would be great to see um, both of these be invited on a hunt. I sure would watch that. And I do appreciate being asked to go out with FDH. Great memories for me. So I have not done a very good job of this with youngsters and military. I know that you um, used to be in the military. What, what mm -hmm. are your thoughts on that topic? So he's asking kind of a twofold, like young people and military people. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like I've done a pretty good job on the young people part. I I am constantly taking a lot of young people. Um, there's some that go with me a lot, and I got to be careful too because sometimes I I know so many people, and just with my church involvement, there's a lot of young people, and they, I guess. 
you don't like to think of this of yourself, but like they look up to me a lot and like, oh, I watch all your videos, seen all that. And sometimes some of them can kind of get a little bit of hurt feelings, I think, because I'm not taking them. It's like, I can't take everybody. Like it's literally impossible. And, um, but I do take the young people out quite a bit. And there's some like, maybe they've only went with me once over the last three years, but you know, try to rotate through. And it is a commitment. I mean, you were kind of talking about that earlier, like, you take a younger person, you got to kind of have the right scenario. You got to make sure they have the right gear. You don't want to go into those hard to get to spots or spots. Maybe you're going to put someone else's kid in a situation <clears throat> that would be for lack of a better word, sketchy, you know, mm-hmm. but, and maybe you won't be able to hunt as long. Like you do, you're basically catering to them. You almost kind of become a guide service. It's all based on what they want to do. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's good for us, right? Like to not be selfish with and put it for someone else. And I enjoy it. Because when they harvest the duck and or they just really enjoy themselves, I feel like, man, this is kind of what it's all about. Like I sometimes get caught up in what I like and how I want to do things and getting better and all this stuff. But I'm like, man, when you do that, you truly walk away from that more satisfied, you know. So I think how to get them involved in that is just for young people, it's just to invite them because I feel like they're going to want to go with you. Young people are so energetic and like to do things I, I don't think that's really hard to do to get them and i feel like elliot i feel like me and you honestly and every any other youtube people can say bad stuff because they're, they're going to say that no matter what you do good and bad you're gonna hear good and bad but i feel like <clears throat> i almost feel like we can't put a number on the amount of young people that we've influenced to get into waterfowling like there's no way we'll ever know but i i know if i had to bet all my money i know we've influenced hundreds of people right. to get into waterfowl. I guarantee you. So to me, that's bringing a huge thing to the table. Was that my original intent? No, not really. But I do cater a lot of my content and stuff to new hunters. Like when I do like, what do I need to take? Or how do I get into duck hunting for cheap? Any of that stuff, I'm doing that for the new hunters. Podcasts. All my podcasts, I'm trying to teach people. If you're a veteran, you've been hunting for a long time, a lot of stuff may not cater to you. But like now, say if I have an old time Ron and he's got a lot of wisdom, I know the older audience and the more experienced audience likes that better. But uh, now as far as the military, I will say <clears throat> I have a couple of friends that I've tried to get that they're vets. And there's some things there that we've had to work through. They've got their stuff. There was some guys supposed to go with me on the mil- uh, military slash veteran hunt last year. It just didn't work out on their end. I want, I was really stoked about taking them. It just didn't work out. So there's so much Elliot I feel like we could do <clears throat> like have maybe like like even maybe put it like on a seminar or something and invite guys out have a barbecue talk about duck hunting I don't know I feel like I have creative bones in my body to certain degrees on certain things but then other things I've been emailed by people like why don't you do this and I'm like man I never thought of that before like that's a great idea it's just trying to get it to fit in your schedule I guess is kind of tough Right. And you you can't do everything. No. Me personally, youth and military, it's, it's not a passion of mine to mm-hmm. try to seek out young, young men who have had, if that opportunity arose, would, right. would I do it? I would. Right. It's, I'm not, I don't feel called to try to seek it out um, and try to find just random kids. Um, I know Aiden my buddy is different than that. He has a knack for multiple times. He's yeah taken out 
young kids. And I don't know how he's come to that gotten. Maybe I should ask him that. How did you get to the point where you just found some random kid and took him out? I don't, I'm not running around meeting random kids, you know, no. I don't, I don't no. know unless it was some kind of organization that came to me and was like, Hey, we got this little kid. Would you mind? I, I don't know where I would even attempt to locate some random kid that wanted to, to go. And right. Ride. And, and yeah. you know, with the, the military, I, I respect what the military has done. I don't feel a calling to go find some adult man military guy and 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 take him hunting. I, I it's just not kind of where I feel what I feel called to do. What I do feel called yeah. to do is, and I'm passionate about, is through the podcast and and through videos to show proper ethics. There's mm-hmm. a, a lot of negative stuff, social media, YouTube. There's a lot. There's a lot of videos of of people maybe what I would consider doing things that doesn't put us in the best light. Right. And I want to highlight, for example, um, wounded loss, proper shot selection rules of how to respect the resource and respect people that you come across when you're in the marsh. Those things I'm passionate about mm-hmm. those things I do, but as, as far as actually taking guys like that, it's not something that's been a part of things that I've done to this point. Well, and too, with that, this, I think what gets me a little bit, is it kind of makes me feel guilty. Like when people ask you that, that's kind of hard to ask. That's kind of, you're kind of putting people on a spot when you ask them that because like, well, why aren't, because I care about the military. I was in the military and I care about vets and active military guys a lot. And I shout them. I say a lot of things about them in the video. Appreciate mm-hmm. your service. And I know what it feels like to be away from home during Christmas, Thanksgiving, all that stuff. Uh, and, and the kids like, yeah, you want to help the kids out, but it's like, man, I, I've only got so much time in the day and it almost puts an unnecessary guilt on your shoulder, at least for me, like a weight, mm-hmm. like now you're making me feel bad, you know, like, right, like why haven't I done more? Yeah. And I, I think, I think for sure I need to be reminded of that. Like, Hey, you know, let's, what can we do for others too? But I think if we're going to be fair, then what, okay. For instance, here's a good analogy for this. Like I've had some people say, well, why aren't you taking my boy or my girl? And I want to say, why aren't you taking your kid? It's your <laughs> kid. You have never taken them out to the pond one time. Why don't you yeah. take them? Yeah. So what part of you really, maybe it's a kid don't have a parent or something, or they're, I know not everybody's into hunting, but it's kind of like, man, don't put your responsibility on my shoulders. You know, like that kind of yeah. makes me, you're making me feel bad for really, I shouldn't be feeling bad for that. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just a fine line. Like it's good to throw in there every while and try to do that and be reminded of that, but to make it sound like, well, if you're going to be a social media presence, then you need to take care of all this. And that's like, that's not even realistic. Right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Let's move on to the next one. This one also comes from, um, Facebook. And while I'm pulling some off of Facebook, I've got a podcast group called the, or Facebook podcast group called the North American waterfowler. I know what, what is your podcast group name? Titus? It's just the NBM I mean, show. The NBM show. I keep podcast saying podcast group. group. Yeah. Facebook on Facebook. You can yeah, find that's what, yeah. the NBM show and the North American <laughs> waterfowl. And that's where yeah. these questions are coming from. Tyler Jones says, is duck hunting a dying sport? I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Hit that one up. I don't think so. Um, someone asked me that recently and it was like, oh, I know what it was. Let me ask you, let me re, let me reword that and ask you back. They said, what do you think duck hunting is going to look like in 2050? 
and they were going to do basically they were doing an article on it um, matt actually from high prairie sportsman's i sent them his number and I, he did he actually did an interview for that i personally right now do not think it is i think it's still growing i still think the hype is there and the motivation is there guys like us it's never going to change like we've been doing it way before duck dynasty and we're going to be doing it long past and that's not even a thing anymore really because a lot of people blame them for that but then it goes on i'm going to do it till the day i can't walk anymore like literally so and even then i might be able to just ride around in a duck boat like we were talking about your dad but um i have thought and i let, let me ask you you asked me that question let me ask you this back if it is a dying sport or it is a dying thing and maybe it's seasonal and maybe five ten years from now it dies off um do you think do you think it is a um what's the word i'm looking for like a uh, fad do you think duck hunting is a fad I I can speak from my state as we our numbers of licenses sold have been very very steady over the past twenty years, so I, I don't think there's anything fad to it. Um, I think that it's I think it's doing just fine. I, I I don't know what the overall numbers in North America are compared to twenty, thirty, forty years ago. I know they say that more people hunted in the seventies than today, hmm. but you have a lot of states that are dealing with too much pressure. So if, if you're having states that are talking about and dealing with too much pressure, then I don't see how it could be a dying sport. Yeah. yeah. I don't either. Personally, I, I don't, I don't see it as of right now. And I, I've been forced to think into the future and it is, I don't know where we can't read the future, but I, could, I think I, there I, could I, be a scenario in which like, I remember in the eighties, early nineties, the limit was two mallards here in mm -hmm. the state. Because mm -hmm. of the populations dropping, I could see a scenario in which the populations t decline. They drop the number to like two birds. If you if, if you could only shoot two mallards, there'd be way less licenses sold. I would assume. Hmm. And then maybe the wrong people get in political power and they start cracking down on gun laws. They put taxes on ammunition. So you got yeah. a, a reduction of bird numbers. You've got um, an increase of of how much it costs to get into the sport. And something happens socially where the narrative becomes hunters are evil. Some video yeah. goes viral of people doing stupid stuff. And now yeah. just like how America is where it's like thoughts are a disease almost where some, yeah. some group thinks something ridiculous, like, you know, uh, a man can decide he's a woman. And then mm -hmm. everyone, the masses start believing it. Well, I mean, 10 years ago, would you ever have thought that it, what seems to be the majority of people would believe something as, yeah. as ludicrous as that? So if, if you can get people to believe that and people to say, oh, men, some men can give birth, then is it that far fetched that you could get the mass people just to crack down on hunting and just no. say, we're, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, that's more believable than people saying that men can give birth. <laughs> I mean, right, yeah. So anything's possible. I don't. Right. Think so. And that's the thing is like, if you go to that side of the picture, then yeah, that's, if you're like, is it a dying, what do you say? Is it a dying sport? It's not a dying sport because of us. If it is, it's because people are attacking it, trying to take, tear it down. It's not because it's dying within us, right? Or, or you, the person that asked that question, it's, it's not dying right. that way. It, if it dies, it's because they're trying to tear it down and it is what they are trying to do, you know, in a lot of places. Yeah. 
All right. That's good thoughts on that. Um, Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Let's move on. This one is actually from our buddy Jordan at Duck Gun Chronicles, and he and I talked about this extensively on the Duck Gun podcast. So I think he's just trying to stir the pot here. Yeah, yeah. Why well, is he never he never does that usually? That's weird no, too. he's right. <laughs> Why is hunting with a twenty-eight gauge unethical? And I know he doesn't even think it is, but that's how he's phrasing it. No, Why is hunting yeah. with the so? Can, we can do this a couple ways. You can either give me your thoughts on the 28 gauge or can you present an argument to me from someone who believes that a 28 gauge is unethical can you okay. even give that argument probably and i guess if i was to think try to put myself it's kind of fun playing the devil's advocate sometimes because it's becoming a fad it i, I oh, saw 28 100%. gauge shells in a walmart oh really so yeah oh boy when you see that you know it's becoming a fad that's so true uh, you could totally base off the whole setting by what Walmart sells. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, uh, let me play. I kind of would like to play the other part here. All right, so you do it. Take it wherever kinda, you, wherever kinda you good, want to take it. Kind of good for our brain a little bit to work the other way and think outside. Because you have box. a 28 gauge. What's your I do. First start with what's your experience with the 28 gauge personally. I am very careful what I say about it because I don't want to try to persuade people I can just say I love a 28 gauge and people hearing me say that think they need to go buy a 28 gauge because I said that. I didn't say that it was good for you to have a 28 gauge <laughs> and the masses to have a 28 gauge. I said for me and my experience in the years that I've been duck hunting, I feel I'm already at the point. I like it. It works for my shot selection. I'm shooting the proper ammo that I feel that is going to do the most damage. Take that bird out as cleanly as possible. So if I was to play the devil's advocate and say, argue why it's not ethical, I would be saying, okay, I'm going to put myself in this role. So I'm going to change how I say this. So I don't think it's ethical because there's hardly, if you look at a shell, if you take a 28-gauge shell and you cut that thing open and you look at it, and there's hardly nothing in it. There's hardly no, and I get mocked about this all the time, if I don't say the right thing, BBs, pellets, <laughs> shot. You can say any of those, and some will say you need to say it the other way. But if it's BB's pellet shot, whatever you want to call it, there's hardly nothing in there. So why are you not shooting a 12-gauge? 12, 12 if you got a 12-gauge, why in the world would you shoot a 20-gauge? There's no shot in there. Uh, and if you don't hit them perfectly, it's not going to kill them. So I think it's wrong for you to shoot a 20-gauge when you have the options like a 12-gauge out there. And usually the 28 gauge is more expensive anyways. Are you trying to impress people? 
Are you trying to show off? Because you're you're so good of a shot that you can use a 28 gauge. You know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I don't know why you would want to use a 28 gauge when you can use a 12 gauge and you can put, you know, a three inch two shot into a bird and knock them down. There's it's been used for so long. Um, you're just doing it because of fat and you think it looks cool and you want to be in the in crowd. <laughs> you know, you know what I need on the North American Waterfowler app is um, gauge. I said that I've mentioned that to you, which again, I know it all costs money, but I put it in the notes, Elliot, this last year, I actually put in every time, whether it was 12, 20 or 28, I put in what ammo used the size shot inch and the gauge, but it would be nice to be able to filter through it. It doesn't cost that much money to add stuff like that. Really? I would love that. I would love it. I bet you. I I told you my accuracy with my 28 gauge, right? Well, no, it isn't. Well, I mean, I was, um, I could go back. I'm, I'm going to do it after we're done within the next day or two. I'm going to go add them up all the hunts. It's going to take me a while. Cause I think I have like 50 hunts from last year, yeah. but, um, I, I want to say I was, I don't want to exaggerate, but I was like seventies, high seventies somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Now that being said, the reason I was, and this is what me and someone was talking about and it wasn't someone that shoots a 20 gauge, but they don't shoot a 28. And they were, and I, my reasoning for that is, is because I know that I have, I got to be more accurate and I've got to focus more mm-hmm. and make this really good shot. Okay. I'm still, well, I shoot them at 30 yards with the 28 gauge. I'm not doubting it at all, but I, I'm very, very, I take my time more. And so what we were saying is, is there's absolutely no reason that I should be shooting better with my 28 gauge than my 12 gauge. It's for the simple fact, myself personally, and this friend I was talking to, when you have a 12 gauge, your confidence level kind of goes like this, which is a false confidence. You're Mm -hmm. thinking I can just kind of point it up there and shoot, and it's just going to crush the bird, and you get lazy. You don't hyper-focus. You don't really take your time and shoot. And usually a lot of times on that first shot, it's a missed shot because you just rushed your shot. You didn't take your time. And I'd say 90% of the time I kill my ducks on the second shot. If I didn't kill them on the first, I definitely kill them on the second. I rarely shoot the third unless they're crippled or something and I got to take them down. So there's no reason. There's no other reason than mentally I'm going into the hunt with the 20 gauge thinking I've got to wait for the perfect shot. And when I do shoot them, I got to take my time. Right. So first of all, I, I, I think a big problem with bismuth and loads like that and, and black cloud is, is that same false confidence thing you're talking about. I mm-hmm. think when you put bismuth in people's hands, their shot selection gets unreasonable Probably uh, yeah. because of that same false, false confidence you're, you're talking. Right. That's what I, that's what I believe is that when you start, and I talked a little bit about this with Bobby Hayes, but as, as some of these companies, I've heard at least one company where they talk about a new product, they are audibly marketing that you can shoot longer shots. And that is such a terrible message. It's well, such a terrible can I say message. this? Can I say this? And I'm not picking on heavy shot, but I kind of ran. Cause if you're going to want to say that, then I'm going to tell you for a company I'm sponsored by, I'm looking at a box of heavy metal right now. Guess what it says? Longer range bang dead. See, I don't like that messaging yeah. at all. That's I don't not really either. good messaging Mm-mm. because 
and I want to get back. I don't want to forget because I want to get back and ask you a different question, but this is a, value, a valuable topic. It is. People don't need, hey, you can kill them out way long. Hey, you can kill mm-hmm. them out way long. It's very difficult to gauge distance. We've never had any training. Of, and I had this conversation with Jordan. We've never had training as as humans as to how to gauge distance. How mm-hmm. many people have actually stepped off? I know that's the one thing that we do is I'll step off the spinner every time. And like, yep. okay, this is this distance. Yep, I've done that. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. more people do that than I think. But even when you're looking into the sky, to say the difference between 30 yards and 50 yards or 30 and 30 and 40, uh, Bobby was telling me when I had him on that when he has people at his shop talking, he'll take them out in the backyard and he will try to get them to say, well, how far is 40? And almost always what is 55, they say is 40. That's oh, just wow. in his backyard with, with surroundings. Think about when you're looking into the blue sky. How mm-hmm. can you tell the difference between 40, 50, 60? I don't think as the, ev- no, I'm not, I'm not like a full, when I use the word evolution, understand that's evolution within a species in my thoughts, but um, cause species evolve. Right. And, right. And I don't see any reason why humans as a species would need to greatly evolve the, the ability to judge distance to, to be able to be like, Oh, this is 40 versus 50. Right. Right. I don't think that that's something that we're innately good at. Um, and I think that a lot, a lot, a lot of people say they're shooting at 40 and they're shooting at 50. Yeah. And if you give that person constantly like on your box of shells, long range shooting pattern master Mm -hmm. bismuth, I think they're shooting a ton of 60 yard shots. Oh, guarantee. And that is not the messaging that we need to be providing people yeah. because wounded loss is a big issue. And, and just the more you shoot at ducks at longer distance, you're educating them. You're ruining it for other people in the marsh. Your shooting percentage goes way down. There's so many reasons to not shoot at that distance. So that being said, um, what is your experience? Cause I've never shot a 20 gauge. I've never waterfowled with a 20 gauge either. I've always shot a, a, a 12. How does using a 28 gauge, change your your shot selection i feel like from watching your videos that you guys do kill a lot of ducks with 12 gauges at 45 yards and you're really really good at it you guys have the skill set to kill ducks at 45 yards and i wouldn't consider someone who is really good at killing ducks at 45 yards i wouldn't consider them a skybuster. um in fact i remember i watched a whole video that you guys did on making that point and refuting people <laughs> calling you guys sky yeah, old video, that video? <laughs> yeah but uh, you guys are efficient at killing them at 45 if you need to. You really are. I've hunted with you. You can do it. But when you grabbed a 28 gauge, how has that affected your shot selection and your distances? Um, it brought, I brought it in. I don't even know because I haven't even tested it out really. I won't even, I'm not going to probably, honestly. I'm not going to see. Well, let's see if I can get that bird at 40 yards. I believe, and of all people you wouldn't think would say this, I'm pretty sure Matt has said he's killed birds at 40 yards with his 28 gauge. I'm like sure. 99% sure he said that. Well, so I would being go... able to do it and being able to do it consistently and effectively. Exactly. Yeah. There, there, there's different scenarios and reasons to even do that. But let me tell you what I use. So um, when I bought that gun last year, before season started, I knew what I wanted to buy. I knew I wanted it three inch and I knew I was going to shoot the heavy 12. Um, some people say, well, that's, why i've heard people say why even shoot a sub gauge like a 28 if you're going to use this high-end ammo and i'm like that's well, why do you why do you use a high-end ammo if you're gonna shoot your 12 gauge i mean like that's right. kind of a dumb argument but right. it is. i'm shooting the 28 gauge three inch 
uh, six shot, which is a one ounce load. Well, if you think about that, because it's a tungsten alloy, that one ounce load is, I've seen 20 gauge ammo at a one ounce load. So it's almost as good as far as load mm-hmm. as 20 gauge. And I promise you, I feel like shooting that is shooting a 20 gauge. I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm shooting a, a 28 gauge, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, with that load and that setup. Mm-hmm. So and, can you uh, shoot them at 45? What, what is your, okay. Well, does it change your shot I, selection? I'm not it, a little bit. Just for me personally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick within 30 yards. I'm not going to go. And I really, honestly, you always want ducks at 10 or 15 yards. Who doesn't? Right. Like, that's always the end goal. Will I shoot one at 20 and 30? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to tell you a real quick story. I won't, I won't tell you what it is. I can't wait till this video comes out. I think I might have already told you off topic. You've been teasing uh, this video to me for months. Have I, I told you what it was, though, right? Uh, no. Uh-uh. I didn't? No, okay. you just teased it, and you were supposed to send me a link, and it never came. Oh. oh yeah because it's private huh so okay i'm sending it right now when you talk next i'll send it to you okay okay top secret but anyways i was using my 28 gauge that day and i basically shot the bird of my life now you can judge me if you want i thomas saw this bird first i did not see it i had three mallards dumping in like i'd been working them for a little bit they were literally getting coming in just i mean backpedaling right over top of the toolies, right into the pocket, right where I wanted him. Me and Travis were looking over here. Thomas isn't really paying attention because it was a military vet hunt, so they just go along for the fun of it. He's looking off to the left and messing around on his phone, looking up. He said he looked up. He's seen this bird in the decoys 20 yards away. I'm looking at these mallards, didn't think nothing, didn't even see it over here. When it turned, the sun hit its head. He realized what it was, and I've told you, he's screaming that what it is left 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 that bird's going away and i ain't gonna lie i shot that bird by the time i rose put my gun up acquired the bird because i wasn't even looking at it i had to find it first raise my gun acquire it aim shoot drop it it was at least it was getting close it was 50 plus let's just tell you right, i'm gonna tell you that there. i think yeah. it was closer to 60 and the only reason i shot at it that far <laughs> is of because of what it was that's the only reason so <laughs> I thought I told you what it was. I guess I did it. Well, I think that there was a something on the Flyways Collective Marco thread at that time as to what it was, but I can't recall exactly. I think I have an idea. Like I might be able to get I could probably get it within three guesses. Hey, let me ask you this first before I do this, before we move on. If I send it to unlisted, because I guess I can only send it to you if it's unlisted, right? Right. That doesn't mess anything up, analytics or any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. Okay. And no one's gonna see it, right? Right, not unlisted. If it's unlisted, yeah, it's okay. I you're good. All right, I'm sending it to you. So, okay. well, that's awesome. Well, so it. Do you ever, when you're using a 28 gauge, think, "Oh man, I would have shot at that if that if I had my 12." I never thought that, Elliot. Honestly, so your really shot haven't. selection is about the same. It's about the same, honestly. It is. And maybe someone will say, Elliot, what are you talking about? The 28 gauge has just as far a distance. It's just a tighter pattern. I don't know. I don't, I don't know much about sub gauges. Well, um, can I tell you real quick that I put a full in that to start off with the factory full. I put it in there just cause you know, I like, I like shooting a full. I just like, I like seeing what it does to the bird when you hit it with the full. That's just me mm-hmm. personally. But, and I've never had any issues with ruined meat, which contrary to what people think, but 
I put that full in and I'm not exaggerating when I say I had to have, I had to have been shooting a golf ball size or smaller of a pattern. And I'm talking up to 30 yards because mm-hmm. wow. I would see it hit the water and I'm like, my goodness, um, that is insanely tight. Like if I would miss or whatever. So I got to studying into it and looking at it and, um, I was reading, I guess because of the, what would be the word? I'm not, I can't think of the word, but the dynamics of it going through a 20 gauge, how much smaller it is. I guess it does hold pattern better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I've read. I don't know how true that is and how accurate these people are that say that, but they say that it holds a tighter pattern longer. So maybe that's something I have to ask Joel Strickland or something, but I, I ended up went, went down to, uh, I think I, I went down to modified. I jumped down to improve modified. That was still too tight. I went down to modified because when they were in close, it was just like I almost took one bird's head off with the 28 gauge. I like I literally almost decapitated it. And uh, I went down to modified and I even had a, I think I had a skeet choke in for my daughter on her hunt. So really open up and give her better chances. And I was like, man, it holds. Now, is it the ammo, that tungsten alloy? It could be. But I've heard even if you're shooting still, it holds it tighter. Right. Alan, every, every choke is different. Uh, I know in Joel Strickland's testing of chokes, some factory fulls actually patterned out like, um, um, improved cylinder. It's, it's not yeah. standard at all. In fact, yeah. some 12 market gut 12 gauges are actually closer to 10 gauges because there's no standard of like a, what a 12 gauge is. They yeah. don't, they don't standardize it. So if you measure the, the size of some 12 gauges are closer to, to 10 gauges. And so if you, if you go out and purchase a, a after a factory or market choke, or I don't know, I'm not using the right terminology on it, but it, there's just so much variant between yeah. them, huh. which I find, I find to be really, really interesting. Yeah. That um, interesting. I, I will on the topic, I'll, I'll say uh, this. I don't have any problem with you shooting a 20 gauge. I don't have any problem with Matt shooting a 20 gauge. I'm going to start with the premise that my understanding is that a 12 gauge, you can shoot birds out farther than a 28 gauge. Now, if I'm wrong on that, I would love to have someone in teach me and why that is, but that's my, I'm coming with that prep uh, idea that the smaller, the, the gauge, the, closer you have to be to be lethal. Yeah. And so that being said, if 28 gauges are a fad and people get them just because it's kind of the thing that everyone's doing, I think that's probably a bad idea because we've already established that both of us believe a lot of people are shooting out to 60 and I would much rather have a lot of people shooting out to 60 with a 12 gauge than a 28 gauge. Oh yeah. I don't think they'd be happy shooting a 28 gauge, honestly. Maybe not. Maybe you know not. what I mean? Like, I think if they got into it because it was a fad and they weren't confident in their shooting, I don't think they would like it. Yeah. I really don't. Right. I just want disciplined shooters yes. to shoot 28 gauges. Yes. I don't want 21 year old just getting into the sport without a mentor, without someone really teaching him the sport. I don't want that guy with the 28 gauge. Mm, yeah. No. Um, but are they? I, I don't. No, they're not. I don't even think they would want to. Like, if, if you were to take advice from two guys that have been hunting for a long time, I'm not just telling you to do that because you're new or you're young or whatever. You just are not going to be happy with the results because you're going to miss a lot, honestly. And if you do hit them, 
if they're not close enough, you're not going to make a good shot on them, and you're going to just be frustrated, honestly. It's yeah. not for everybody. It really right. isn't. Yeah. But it's not unethical. Absolutely no. Not no. At some I point, don't. I'll probably get I The first time I wounded a bird with a 28 gauge, I'd be, I would probably in my head be like, oh man, I wouldn't have wounded that bird if I had a 12. And whether yeah. that's true or not, I don't know. But I, I would probably be saying those things in my head. Yeah. Um, At Midway USA, we know the AR 15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, all right, let's, let's move on to the next one. I'm curious. This is, and I'll answer this too, but this is specifically, I want you to answer it. This is from hunt olive 93. What's your favorite state to hunt? So I want you to list all the States you've hunted. And I want you to order them. You cannot pick California because that's your home state. I want you to list them top three, one, two, and three, the favorite states you've hunted that aren't California. Nebraska. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's a great state. <laughs> it's it's always, it, I always do that. We just do that to mess with Matt. It's a great state. Uh, let's see. I've hunted Nebraska, Kansas, um, Washington, Idaho. Why do I feel like there's more than that? I think that is as far as waterfowl goes. Well, I mean, I hunted Canada, but that's doesn't. That was Alberta. I guess that's it. That's been, top, more... top three non-California. <sighs> I know people are going to think that I'm, I'm saying this is not how I really believe, but <clears throat> I have a reason for saying this. So I would say as of now, with just the ones that I've hunted, okay. I'm going to say Nebraska just because the lack of people mm-hmm. and the amount of birds. Mm-hmm. I mean, just bottom line, I, I'm going to say that as of right now, I know I got a lot of other places to hunt. So you're just basing a small proportion of my hunting uh, states into one, but I'm going to say Nebraska because there's, there's hardly a lot of people hunting. Um, I like the big game states. I like states that are known for big game because it really pulls a lot of people, a lot of people with a mind to hunt. It pulls them over to that. I would say that's a bigger population of people, right? 
people are going to hunt whitetail and mule deer and elk. So that would be, I would say number one right now, just for that reason, because I don't like to be by people when I hunt. Right. Um, uh, Washington is definitely up there. I guess you, I guess you could t- say that was a number two. Um, the reason Washington is, I don't really know why. I feel like with Washington, I just, when the birds are there and they're there quite a bit and it's just, it's right up next to Canada. So you're getting birds there first, you know, so you could, and once they get there, the weather can be so mild in Washington that the birds that do, a lot of birds that do come there, I believe truly never leave. So yeah, you got migrators that push through. But it's such a warmer climate. They even say some parts of Washington, they call it the banana belt because it stays seasonably warmer than a lot of places that are that far north. It just makes for great duck hunting. And um, I like hunting out of a boat, and that gives you a lot of opportunity to do that. That's not the only type of hunting you can do there. I haven't even touched the west side. Like I said, the, the views and the amount of widgeon and other opportunities that are there to hunt, it just, I haven't scratched the surface. I love Washington. Um, and so then number three would be, uh, I would say Kansas. I mean, I like, I like Idaho. Um, I think it's just been a little bit overrun the last, I kind of caught the back end of it when I first went there, people are really frustrated and they do not like you. If you drive in there with out of state plates in Idaho, you are not welcome. I'll tell you right now, Hmm. especially if they say California on them. And I don't blame them because a lot of Californians have moved there. They gripe about how things are here, but then they change them and vote for them to be like they are here. So that's, I totally get it. I would hate them too. But uh, I like Kansas too, just because I've told you this before when I've been out there, like your people are my people. Like, I feel like you go to Kansas, the whole mindset and how I was raised is how a lot of people there are. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. California I could walk to every neighbor in my neighborhood and I bet you not a one of them hunt. You do that in Kansas, you go to, to the first 10 houses. How many do you think are hunters out of that 10 houses? Probably quite a few are deer hunters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like whether yeah. it's deer or duck, I'm just saying like, it's nothing against people that don't hunt. I'm just saying like, it's they're more your my, people. Yeah. Right. And probably, and more your political views in Kansas than in California. I would assume. Yes. Well. Although this side, this side of the state is pretty liberal. Um, really? Yeah, probably because of Kansas City, huh? Right. Yeah, Lawrence, yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have hunted in uh, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Michigan. It's hard for me oh, because I, I hunted Wisconsin too. Sorry. Right. Right. Um, it, it's hard for me because I, I'm just basing it on the experiences I've had and Nebraska would be number one. I've hunted there more, pl- more times than any other place other than Kansas. And they've got some wonderful places. So, uh, Nebraska would be number one for me. Uh, it's weird. It's hard to gauge Arkansas cause I was at, um, Joel's guiding place. So I didn't get to freelance at it all. I was amazed by the number of specs, which was really, really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So I had such a fun experience. I'll go ahead and put Arkansas as number two. And we went to Call Lake in Oklahoma. And I only hunted there once, but it was a really fun freelancing trip. So I probably put Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma does not get enough hype, quite honestly. Um, I've heard it's, that. It's a really, really, especially January timeframes, December, January. It's a fantastic state. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you don't hear people talking about it. it guys, it's just right under Kansas. <laughs> it's yeah. Central. Any, you can't go wrong with any central flyway state, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, Thomas, um, Hoke. He says that Northern Texas is his favorite place to hunt. He was just crushing North and the pressure there was non-existent for him. Hmm. That's crazy. So I, yeah. What about he likes Minnesota? He's done pretty well in Minnesota too, but yeah. that's that only starts to be, kind of dies off just because the weather gets so bad. I think though he was slipping in North Dakota for more of his. You think so? Really? I think so. I think those hunts, the hunts I'm thinking of, where he was going up little cattail pools with his kayak. Yeah, I think that was in North Dakota. Really? Because when yeah, I think no of competition, uh, I know. But when I think of Minnesota, I think of like the 10,000 lakes, but he's, whenever I see him, it's, he's more like in the plains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. It would be interesting. I would to like to go to Texas. I, I feel like I will, after watching his videos and a couple other guys, I've seen some of their pictures and their stuff. I was like, man, that, that really looks like some neat hunting over there. It does. It does. Um, I was down in Louisiana at the coastal marshes and I, I would love to hunt those. There, mm-hmm. those are really cool. There's yeah. just so many places. That's one of the questions I have on here is, which I wasn't going to go over it, but any, any plans to hunt Louisiana? I would love to at some point. It's just so far away. You just have well, to. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's why people are like, why are you saying Nebraska is one? You go to Washington a lot. What accessibility? Like for me to drive to Washington versus driving to North or Nebraska is a massive difference. Right. You have to if fly. I could just drive to Nebraska, then it'd be, it'd change a lot of things, you know? Yeah. But Louisiana would be great. I I do have plans. They keep getting pushed off. I do have plans to go there and hunt with some guys and and do a couple because there's a lot of different very. I always thought Louisiana has like swampy trees and then some of their coastal stuff. But this sounds like from what I've heard, there's quite a bit of different settings in Louisiana. Yeah, um, I've got an invite for falling tide TV. His name is Nate. I don't even watch yeah. the channel. They, know if you, if you should get on and see his canvas back hunts, um, I have, there yeah. in January and man, I mean, they're like pulling in massive flocks of, yeah. of canvas backs. Yeah. And Oh man, as soon as, if I get more time, I am going to be down. I think actually he's going to come up here and hunt with me this year. He, I met him on my fishing trip. Just a really cool guy. Really. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with him. Um, mm. and he, he's going to come up to Kansas and hunt with me. And if I ever get some free time, I can promise you those big wads of canvas backs that they had down there. He said they've been crushing them in January, just like 40, 50 bird flocks. Mm-hmm. I've never been around canvas backs. Um, that way they look to decoy more, more like mouth. Like you, I think of divers like redheads and you get a flock of redheads come in. They're going to be on the, they're going to be low on the water Yeah, where the canvas mm. backs in his videos, they're up high. And they swim and spin down in. It's more like a puddle duck hunting, at least yeah. on that video to me. Yeah. Um, it was a cool place. All right. Uh, let's see here. There was one about boat etiquette that I wanted because you are big. You've been big into boats recently. It's asking. Gosh, where is it? While I find this one, Stevie Carl asks your favorite duck calls. What What is your favorite duck calls? I got asked that too. I just didn't. My favorite is uh, JJ Letters. Okay. Are, do you um, are you partnered with them, or you just love? No, them? no. I mean, we're friend. Like I know the owner and the guy that. Well, Mister Lairs is the guy that started it. He's 
sold out and passed it on to a guy named Brett Crow. He's multi-time world champion for live duck calling and stuff. And um, if I had to pick, I I really like the live duck calling competitions better than just like the the other kind because the live duck calling is like sounds like a real duck out in the you know right uh, the hunting environment. But not to take anything away from anything else, but that's just what I prefer. So, anyways, he's won multiple multiple times. But we're we're I would say we know each other pretty well now. Brett Crow is a really nice guy, younger guy. He's probably a little bit older than me, maybe a couple years, but. He's a really cool guy, and yeah, we don't, I mean, he'll make some calls for us, and we'll ask for things or whatever, but it's not like, hey, I mean, you know, I don't know. We just got that mutual relationship, and I just swear by their calls. Yeah. And, um, and the reason I do, Elliot, is just for, I guess anybody's like, why? A duck call is a duck call. Well, the reason I do is when if you take one of their calls apart, like if you pull it apart, their, their insert, not the insert, but the... um Oh, what's it called? You got the reed, and then you got the little. Uh, oh my word! I knew I was going to do this when I got put on the spot, but there's a little black piece that goes on top of the reed. That's plastic, and then and the reeds are cut by a machine, so it goes like one point three six zero, one point three six five, one point three seven zero. So you're getting these pinpointed laser cut reeds always the same um, they're not cork on the uh, whatever it's called that holds the reed in there because yeah. once cork gets wet it changes the sound of that call hmm. and you don't have to cut and trim and i know some guys like to do that with the reeds but these are all precisely cut from like three one point three one zero to up to one point three nine zero so you have a massive variation and it's really accurate on the sound and you can pick mm-hmm. whatever length of reed you want so that's that's why I think it's just an amazing idea. The guy that came out with that. Yeah. So uh, last year I bought a Ducklander calls, which is Bobby Hayes. He's he's a, he lives in the area. The reason that I choose chose to move to his calls is I know, I know enough about him to know what kind of hunter he is. And he's my kind of hunter. Yep. And it's like waterfowl hunting is his life. And I know the kind of attention to detail and care he puts into the calls. Mm -hmm. And so that for me, and they're a little more expensive that for me sells me on it. Like I want to know, um, I'd rather know the person that's making it. And with that kit, actually there's like, I think four different reads that come with them with instructions. So you don't have to cut down anything. He's already kind of cut them in different styles mm-hmm. for you. And so you can go in and put different reads in and test it and fit it to the one that you like, which I'd never, I'd never seen anything like that on a call before. Um, I thought that they come in these cool little, almost like chew canisters, is that smaller? Like, like, like the little cans you used to have pellets. Do you ever have a pellet gun? Yeah. Uh-huh. And they come in those little metal. Yeah. There, they're like those and they're really cool. It's a, and cool. It's a really cool call. That's cool. Okay, let's move on. This is from uh, this is probably the last one we're going to do, and then we'll move on to the next episode. It's like I told you guys up front. I've done two with Titus, and now we're doing two over here. So make sure that you go and check out his podcast, the MVM Show. If you like this one, you probably already listened to that one, but <laughs> go over there and check it out. Uh, gosh, what is this person's name? Kane AGUIA07. Oh, no, wrong one. Addison Trower. I just got a new flat bottom John boat with a surface drive. Any duck boat etiquette tips? This is specifically about etiquette of being a boat owner. 
I don't know if this is official etiquette, but this is my opinion. I will not do this, and I think it makes sense, is if you're not going to get there early in the morning, do not be driving your boat all over the place at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight, nine. Like, I mean, I think that's common sense, right? But I don't think people think about that because there is people out there hunting. And if you're burning your boat all over the place, that's pretty bad etiquette. Um, I know we've wanted to go look at some stuff before. Where's the timeline at? I don't know. Maybe middle of the day. But, like, I feel like maybe it's time you should wait till lunchtime. If you want to go take a look in your boat at spots or stuff, maybe wait till at at lunchtime or something because when the flights slow down – because I just don't want to be the guy buzzing around my boat up and down a river, especially a very narrow river, mm-hmm. while guys possibly are hunting on the bank. You know, right? That'd be my first thing that came to my head. Definitely, I, I I would say just everything you do, think about if someone else was doing it and you were hunting. Yeah, right. So here's a, here's close. another good one. Don't I, this is a big one actually. I if you want to start thinking about, it, I can tell you a lot of them. One thing is you do not go to the launch, especially when there's like a single launch. It's only one enough for one boat to get at a time. Don't back down in there if you're not ready. Like, Amen to that. You, the that's the thing. worst thing yeah. is going down there. You haven't unhooked nothing. You haven't loaded your stuff from the truck. That's a big no-no. Don't yeah. do that. I think You'll that's probably etiquette tip number one. It probably is. It is. 100%. Yeah. Don't prep your boat. I don't care if there's Take no it. one there. Like that's right. the thing is people think you don't well, know when no, someone's going to show up. That's the thing is people think, oh, there was no one here when we got here. You know, let's, let's just go ahead. And now there is. And now you're stuck. You're already there. And you're just making yourself look stupid. Just get all your stuff ready before you pull down there. You know, but, no, I'll, I'll add to that. If it's taking you, because oh. sometimes you're trying to launch your boat and for whatever reasons it's taking you a little bit longer than normal. Conduct your body language in a way that you're showing the person behind you have a sense of urgency. Yeah. Right. Because if you're taking, this happened fishing this year where this guy was putting his, bringing his boat back in and I was waiting to launch my boat. He took so long. And the biggest thing that pissed me off is his body language was saying to me, I don't give a damn about your time. Yep. At least have some urgency in your body language and we're cool. Don't yep. act like, you know, you just like, oh, whatever. I don't care. That is really. Yeah. Oh, I was annoyed. Now that's when it makes you mad because yeah, if you're hustling, it's like, okay, well, well, yeah, you shouldn't have probably did that. You should have just got ready outside of the launch, but since you're already there and you're hustling, I'm not going to say that, you know, like I get it. I've caught, got caught like that too. Cool. Well, let's end this episode here. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you again? And then we'll jump into that next episode for later on down the road. Yeah, podcast. Podcast is the MVM show, MVM, and that's on anywhere you want to find podcasts. And we actually have a YouTube channel if you want to actually watch it. And then I got Mid Valley Mercenaries is a YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. All right. Well, thank you for being on here. As always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope everything goes well with both your podcast and YouTube channel. I'm certainly big fans. Uh, so anyway, until next time, you've listened to episode of the North American Waterfowl Podcast. I'm Will Cooper. 
host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.